Hi, I'm Tim Hernandez. Welcome to another edition of Words on a Wire. I'm really excited about our special guest today, um, a children's book author I've been trying to get into the studios or actually here on Words on a Wire for quite some time. Um, she's also an attorney and a, a mayoral candidate here in, based here in El Paso, Texas, Veronica Carvajal. She was born and raised here in the border cities of Juarez, Chihuahua, and El Paso, Texas. As a little girl, she loved listening to storytelling in her grandmother's kitchen, and that turned into a love of reading and writing. She's a graduate of Brown University and the University of Texas School of Law. She's been a lawyer with Texas Rio Grande Legal Aid since 2004. After law school, she adopted Max, a pit bull mix that completely changed the way that she advocates for animals and the people who love and depend on them. And we have her here today talking about her children's book, Toma, Toma, Toma. Words on a wire. Words on a wire. Veronica Carvajal, welcome to Words on a Wire. Thank you, Tim, for having me. Absolutely. It's my pleasure, and I know that we've We've been talking quite a bit for for some time, trying to get you into the uh, into our program. I was going to say into the studio, but we're doing the pandemic version, so there is no studio. We're both interviewing here out of our homes, but it's been a while, so I finally was able to wrangle you in because I know you're super busy in the community. So I'm just really excited to have you here. Finally, thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks for everything that your team does to amplify the work of creative people. I think it's really important, and more than ever, we realize how much we lean on creatives to sustain our souls. So I really appreciate the work that you do. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Um, before we get into your wonderful uh, and just, I mean, just a brilliant little book. I love this book. Uh, I read it to my kids. Before we get into that, I think it'd be good if our listeners have a little context and they get to hear some of your, you know, your, uh, your story here, your children's book titled Toma, Toma, Toma. Would you like to read an excerpt for us? Yes. Okay. So this is from the first page. Walk, walk, walk. I just don't know what else to do. So I walk and I walk and I walk. I put my nose to the ground, sniff, sniff. I stop at rocks, flowers, trees, sniff, sniff. I lift my nose up to the breeze, sniff, sniff, but nothing smells like home. And that's how the, the book begins. And it's also in Spanish, right next to the English language. Nice. Do you want to read it in Spanish for us up to there too? Sure. Yeah, it'd be awesome for our, you know, our bilingual listeners aquí en La Frontera. <laughs> yes. Camino, camino, camino. Es que no sé qué otra cosa puedo hacer. Así que camino, y camino, y camino. Acerco mi nariz al suelo. Sniff, sniff. Paro en las piedras, las flores, los árboles. Sniff, sniff. Levanto mi nariz a la brisa. Sniff, sniff. Pero nada tiene el olor a mi hogar. That is so true. Nothing smells like home, right? That's so true. Um, first, I want to, um, first of all, congratulations, because this is, if I'm correct, your first published book, right? Yes. Wonderful. Um, it's a great children's book. Uh, like I said, titled Toma, Toma, Toma. With brilliant artwork as well by the artist Citlali uh, Trevino. Am I saying her name correctly? Yes, Silali Trevino. So before we get into all the questions I have for you, um, why don't you start by, can you tell us just uh, just the subject of the book? 
Absolutely. So the book is um, from the perspective of a puppy, and it is about the puppy's journey from um, running to freedom to then realizing that freedom has a price to then um, falling into you know, a trash pit and then being rescued. And it is um, you know, based on my mom's childhood dog, an actual story, right? The puppy was found in a trash pit in the backyard. And um, wow. there's a second part hopefully coming at some point soon. Um, but this first part is really about a journey and about a journey, not just in terms of this puppy, but a journey that I think many of us find ourselves in um, all the time. Absolutely. In fact, I kept thinking that as I was reading it, I was like, this is like a metaphor for my own journey. <laughs> like, you know, finally the chain, because the puppy's like, the chain is, is, is unhinged. And so you can run off and, and be free. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, but then there's life out there and there's this and there's that and the potholes and the challenges. And, and then suddenly you're working your way without your knowing toward love. I think that's the idea anyways, but <laughs> it, it kind of feels like my, my journey as well. But, uh, but yeah, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> so this is based yeah. on a true story. It is, it is based on a true story. Um, Toma was an actual dog and she was called La Toma as if, you know, um, as the book explains, um, my mom and her sisters who found her in this trash pit were trying to get her out, lure her out. And so they kept offering her things and kept saying, Toma, take it here yeah. um, to try to get her to jump higher. And so the name stuck um, and that's how she became La Toma and she was legendary and lived, um, we think about 15 years um, in Juarez with, with my mom and her family. And so, uh, well, I'll ask you about the part two later, but um, what's beautiful about the book also, and I know our listeners can't see this, so I'll try and describe it, but at the very back as well, there's this little homage page to your family, your mother and, and father, or I'm sorry, yeah, the dad and mom in the book. Uh, Federico and uh, Clementina, you have their photograph and you have the photograph of the children with the actual dog, La Toma. Uh, it's just great because they're actual photographs so you can see how the story is based on this. Yes, there's actually the, there's a photograph of my cousins with the real Toma. Um, the Toma in the book is a pit bull puppy and that was also very intentional because um, pit bulls are the number one euthanized dog. If you go to animal shelters, they're the most mm. uh, euthanized and they've also been um, discriminated against a lot for many different reasons. And, and so if you look at the picture of my mom and her sisters, there's a puppy that looks like a pit bull puppy. Right. Decades later, I adopted my first dog, Max, who looks like that dog. I had no idea. No. It was all just, you know, I think it was destined, but it was just like, oh my gosh. And so I saw that picture after I had Max and thought, what are the chances? Right. I couldn't have, have sought this out. Um, so it's it's really about bringing things full circle. And as you said, always walking towards light and love. Yeah. And you have this beautiful also homage page to Max in the back. And you get to see photographs of you with Max. And, and Max lived to July of 20, from, two, from December of 2004 to July of 2019. Good life. Good long yeah. life. Yeah. He did. He did have a long life and wonderful. passed away right before the, the book was, was self-published. And um, so I want to ask you more on a, on a personal note of what puppies and, and dogs have meant to you in your life, because I know also right now, currently, you also have um, you've been taking care of these beautiful little Buddha souls, <laughs> as I like to call them. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. I did not grow up with with pets. Mm. Um, so Toma passed away before I was born. And 
um, at that point, my grandparents were just, you know, they were always so busy raising children, either their own or others. And, and so we just never, and things had changed too in the community. Doma was, um, a, you know, free dog. There was no fence. There was no leash or collar on her ever. She was never tied up and she never left. But things had changed. This, you know, Juarez had grown. And so we couldn't do that. And my grandparents just didn't want to have another responsibility. So I didn't have um, a dog until I think I was in my late 20s when I got Max. He was my first dog. And then, of course, because I'm a nerd, I delved into books because he had a lot of behavioral issues. And he had this, I didn't realize he was a pit bull mix. And so I was already concerned. And I also bought into some of the prejudice. So I just really delved in and learned so much about them. Also, because I'm a legal aid attorney and I have fabulous mentors, um, I started taking on fair housing cases and those are discrimination cases. And a lot of what we saw were people with disabilities being denied housing. And many people rely on service animals um, and emotional support animals for that. Right, right. So I really delved in and took on these um, cases that are, are really, for me, fun to litigate because I get to know my clients and um, and their animals. And there's so much science now behind it. Like we understand that, um, especially domesticated animals like dogs and cats, but also horses, right. are really spiritually connected to us. And they become barometers of our emotional well-being. And so, um, you know, all of this happened around the same time. And, um, and I decided to, to adopt. There was like a calling in me to, to adopt and then to really become the best dog owner that I could and the best advocate that I could in, in these other ways. Not that it's, sure. and the best does not mean perfection to me. So sure. I've learned a ton, but that's, um, I've learned not only through myself, but through my clients, some of them who are homeless, who have animals, just how important these relationships and bonds are because they're very different. They're not human beings. Yeah. They share a lot of our emotions, but there's so much, um, I think in many ways, better at um, bouncing back from yeah. some setbacks. Yeah. And I think Toma showcases that, right? And, you know, um, yeah. so I think I've learned so much from them. And I've also learned about what things matter to me and what things don't. And having been, for instance, with Max, we were in San Antonio during the Katrina hurricane and people were being evacuated. And I really had to like assess the things that I held in my home because if we had to leave, what could I take and fit in my little car? Right. And Max was the first and only thing I really thought of. Everything else was like, yeah. it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. And also like walking home into like my shoes being torn up or my pillows being destroyed, it also helped me to become less materialistic because that's what sometimes animals do, right? They destroy things and you yeah. gain a perspective of what really matters in your life. Absolutely. They're in a lesson in unconditional love, I feel like, you know, um, you know, the, the, the loyalty, but, but even the word loyalty, I think feels a little bit more, it, it doesn't get to the, the heart of what I, what I'm trying to say here, you know, but there really is a, just a, I think there's no other way to put it, but, but unconditional love that these creatures have, you know, and you're right at the end of the day, you know, um, they're there, they're there for us and, and we're there for them. Ideally, you know, this, this book, as I was reading it made me you know, I've always had this ongoing conversation with my daughter, Rumi, actually my son, Salvador, as well, but this conversation about having pets in our house. And when they were younger, they always wanted a dog. And I had for so long was hesitant to that, you know. Um, and then I had to, and then in this book also, I kind of had to, it forced me to do the homework of why has that been? 
And my first dog, and I recall the memory of my first dog, one of my first dogs ever that I can remember as a child was named Coco. It was a little chihuahua, little white chihuahua. And Coco, uh, I loved Coco. We had, he had traveled with us from like Wyoming when my family were migrant farm workers and Coco was my road buddy. And, um, and I watched Coco begin to grow when I was a young boy growing up in the central California area. And then one day Coco was missing and we couldn't find him. And then a friend of mine said, oh, the neighbor shot your dog. This is like, yeah, I was living in a crazy rough area. <laughs> it's like central California, rough area out in the, out in the middle of the fields. We literally lived in the middle of like, you know, orange groves and all that. And they said, the neighbor shot your dog. And so my, my friends ran and showed me by the side of this ditch bank. My dog was there with a big hole in its side, you know, and the neighbor had shot oh, it. Yeah. And I think what happened at that point, this is just me doing my own introspection. I think what happened is after that, I didn't allow myself to be attached to, to dogs anymore, uh -huh. you know, over time. And it wasn't until, again, my kids kind of started asking me for a dog. And then I was, I was reluctant. And finally, I bought them a dog named Sunday. Uh, we named her Sunday. And that dog was probably, other than Coco, was the only other time I'd ever felt so attached to, to another dog, to a creature, you know, this beautiful creature of light. And Coco, I mean, Sunday taught me so much. Uh, and after Sunday was passed away, it was like, I just, I just, it's very difficult for me to want another pet because it take, it took me so long to allow myself to open up to, to, you know, this beautiful soul named Sunday. So this book, though it's a children's book also, I think allows adults to revisit, you know, the memories that they've had with, uh, special bonds they've had with certain animals in their lives, you know, whether it's a dog or a cat or you know, like my son has a bearded dragon, you know, and he loves that. He's, he doesn't part from it. They're, they're, they're one, you know, he's always with it. So, yeah. Well, and I think you've hit on so many things, but one of them is, is the fact that, um, you know, Max was my, my first dog, but Doma was the first dog I loved and I never met her. I wow. knew her through my grandmother's stories wow. and I knew her through um, you know, other people asking about, about her and remembering her. And so I think it's, it's absolutely true that, you know, I really want this book to be the door to talking about, like, what do these animals mean to us? But also, you know, what was my childhood like many years ago? So much about the, the second part of the book is going to be about the geography of Juarez and how it's become a desert. It mm -hmm. wasn't so much a desert when my, when my mom was growing up. And, and it, it plays into the adventures that Doma was able to have just in their backyard. And right. so, um, yo, absolutely. And I think, you know, I've, um, I've, my mom just asked, asked me recently, she's like, how did you deal with Max, you know, dying? And I, I thought like, well, no, it was really painful. It was extremely painful. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I've had a lot of grief in my life. I've lost a lot of people before their time was up. And you, you know, it's a journey. It's a journey and it looks different for everyone. But my other dogs have definitely helped me get through mm -hmm. the, the pain. And, and I've lost a number of them recently because they're older and that's what happens. Um, but yeah. it just, I can't imagine my life without, without yeah. pets. It just seems the quiet is, is a very different quiet without them. I imagine so. I imagine so. Um, for our listeners out there, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Words on a Wire, and we're speaking with El Paso-based children's book author and attorney, Veronica Carvajal, about her uh, debut children's book, Toma, Toma, Toma. Um, and so, so growing up in Juarez has informed, uh, you know, the way that you've looked at your own animals that you've owned, or, or you know, um, 
yeah, uh, soul friends, I'll call them, you know, it, it's, it's informed that, but also it's informed the way that you approach this book. Is that right? Because you, uh, you collaborated with an artist from Juarez. I did. And that was, um, I didn't realize how important that was to me until we, we started working together. Um, Silali is incredible. She has such a kind heart. She is an artist to, to the core of her. And so um, that said, um, we had to, to really work together on the images and making sure that they reflected the story. But also as a writer, I had to um, give her space to do what she needed to do and to express what she needed to express. And I think that the freedom and respect that we showed each other is reflected in, in the book. Um, she really surprised me with some of the images. And I, I did self-publish um, for that reason that often with children's books, you lose control of who the illustrator will be. Yeah, right. And I really wanted to have a relationship with her right. and to be able to collaborate in this way. Also, you, you know, uh, we had talked before, you mentioned how you, how you went about finding, locating this artist, Citlali uh, Trevino, is that it? Yeah, Trevino. Yes. Can you tell us a little that story of how you found her and her art? Yeah, so years before the pandemic, my mom and I were in Juarez um, at, and, um, at, a, at a mall, and um, Silali and her husband had a studio. So I walked in and I saw this really beautiful piece um, of the two Fridas, which we many of us know, yeah. but this was the two Fridas when they were little. So I loved it, and I, I, I said, I want to buy this, and I asked her, who's the artist? And she said, it's me, and we just started talking. And then after that, I mean, time passed. This book is, I started this book in um, September of 2001. Wow. And I published it in September of 2019. So it has, <laughs> it, it's taken a very long time. Yeah. Um, so after I met her, I decided to, I forgot. I forgot and I started working on writing it and then life got busy and it, I started to look for other artists. And then I remembered her and I thought, I think this is meant to be. It's supposed to be the two of us doing this. And so I reached out again and she she was on board. And then we had a lot of visits. We would meet at Sanborns and Juarez and go over the progress of, of the story as well as the the um, paintings because they're, they're paintings. And so they're actually eight by 10 paintings that were then um, placed into this book by another local um, artist, Judd Burgess, who also owns Brave Books. Judd was our graphic designer. And so he put it together. And also he was my only editor. Um, I didn't run this by anyone else. And so he was able to make some slight changes to the story and um, really brought it to life. And the images I'm looking at them here, I mean, they're just so beautiful because what I love about the, um, the I guess the graphic design aspect of this is that you're able to see that these are, you can see clearly that they're paintings, you know, you can see the canvas, the texture of the canvas um, on the pages. And then also, of course, the detail and the, and the, and the beautiful colors on here as well. Um, and then not just, you know, not just depictions of the, of the dog, Toma, but also of the creatures around the butterflies and lizards and, you know, a lot of the sort of flora and fauna uh, that, that inhabits this world that you're writing about. Um, it's just a beautifully, beautifully done. And um, I was wondering that as well. So it took you 18 years to, you know, from, from the original idea to finally publishing this. What made you decide to uh, just to say, you know what, I'm going to self-publish this and go that route, you know, versus seeking a publishing company or, you know, uh, and, and doing going that way? When I 
first started um, writing it out, and this all started, started with a conversation that I had with my mom. I came home, I was in law school at the time, and, and I came home, we started talking about her childhood for some reason, and I brought up the dog, and she was giving me her perspective and her memories, and then I, I swear this dog was on my shoulder. Like, I just would, I would just sense her all the time. Like, she was like a monkey on my back until I started to write it, and so I started to write it, and then I started to send out, like, you know, a query letter to, to different people, different publication houses, and they all rejected it. I had so many rejection letters. Yep. And so I had to write and rewrite. And then finally, um, I realized and appreciate the fact that I had to go through this different journey in my life, right? I had to um, adopt dogs. I had to advocate for them. I had to rescue others, rehome them, all those things in order for me to really understand what I wanted to write about. So I gave myself that space because the book was really about my grandmother. And when I started to write from a different perspective, it seemed inauthentic and it was forced. But when I decided to just step back and say, this is from the perspective of a dog, it really changed everything. So who knows, maybe this version would have been picked up by a publication house. But at that point I had become really attached to the language of it. Yeah. Um, most children's books have very little words if they're picture books. Yeah. And I wanted to include a lot of words. I also wanted to be able to donate the royalties to local nonprofits. And so basically I'm a control freak and I didn't want to have anyone else wow. dictate what I was going to write or how I was going to write or who I would work with. And so I had to keep it um, as a self-publishing project. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and that's, you know, that's true for a lot of books. I think of that myself in my own publishing journey. There are many times where I thought, okay, if this book, I believe in this book so much and this story so much that if it doesn't get picked up by a publisher, I'm, I'm ready to publish, self-publish it. You know, um, for me, it's always just been about getting the story out there, you know, however, by any means we can get it out there. I'll tell it, I'll write it, I'll, you know, paint it, uh, whatever, you know, tell it on radio, wherever I can go and get the story out. And so, you know, you've clearly done that. My, my, my next question for you is, how does one go from being an attorney, which took you years of school and work and all that, and then all of a sudden you just wake up and decide, I'm going to be a children's book author now? <laughs> um, well, happen? yeah, so I, I haven't um, actually, you know, I'm, I'm still a lawyer and stuff, and I think um, one of the, the, the best compliments I get from people is that I'm a very good storyteller when I, mm. when I write my my pleadings, my petitions, and when I go to court. And that is just something I learned in my grandmother's kitchen. I learned how to tell compelling stories, how to be persuasive from her and from the people that, that used to visit us. We had a lot of company all the time. Right. And, and so the transition wasn't that difficult, um, right. honestly. Right. But I did have to give myself, and I still do with my writing, I have to give myself some grace and some space, and it's very hard for me to rest. I realize that it's one of my it's one of my um, flaws, because my legal work is very draining. Um, we're fighting, you know. When you when you're a lawyer and you do litigation, you you fight every day, and it does take a toll. Yeah. Um, and so, to be able to write with clarity and purpose, creatively. Right. I needed to to give myself some space. And so this book was written on Sunday mornings. That's when I would sit down and right. just, you know, have my coffee, have my dogs with me, 
spend some time outside and then come back in and just write um, from about 10 to 12 for a series of Sundays. I just sat down and, and wrote. Nice. Um, why don't you, because we've got a, only a few minutes left, why don't you, would you mind reading us another excerpt? <clears throat> yes. All right. Okay. Um, okay. Suddenly I hear some steps. Then I hear her voice. Strong, calm, warm. Girls, haven't I showed you there is always a way out? She asked. The girls all nodded. Ask your father to bring the ladder, she says. Then I see her. Short, blonde hair, bright green eyes, and a quiet smile I can trust. I sit down. She looks down up at me. I look up at her. It's like looking into the sun. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Words on a Wire, and we're and that's actually the voice of El Paso-based children's book author and, and attorney, Veronica Carvajal, and she's reading from her new book, Toma, Toma, Toma. It's a children's book. Uh, what's next for you as an author? Um, so I'm working on uh, a book that's more like a memoir and social commentary uh, about the Latinx vote in, in our country, especially mm. in Texas. Wow. So wow. I just started writing that a few weeks ago and, and hope that it doesn't take 19 years <laughs> <laughs> um, or 18 years because um, it needs to, to make its way into the world. Yeah, and I would take it that's probably not a children's book. <laughs> No, but it's very much about me as a child. Oh, oh and, wow. and you know, as some of you may know, I, I ran for mayor, and during my mm -hmm. my race, um, honestly, Tim, you were the only person who asked me why I believe the things that I believe. And this is after talking to thousands of people. You, Tim, um, Zia Hernandez, were the only was the only person to ask me that because people just want me wanted to to hear my platform and my solution to their problems. But I would tell millennials all the time, like, I was not hatched this way. Yeah. The fact that I am compassionate and that I care about my community is something that we need to explore. And I need to know why you feel this way about the environment or about immigration or about women's rights or about trans rights. Because if we're not telling the why, we're going to keep losing the battle in these other ways. Or we're going to have to keep fighting the battle. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I strongly believe that if we do not tap into people's hearts, we are consistently going to have to fight injustice. And, and so the, this book that I'm working on is really about tackling um, injustice from, from the soul, right? From the heart, right. because it's not, it's not a numbers game. It's not, exactly. demographics will not save us. That's exactly right. It's not a demographics game at all, as much as we like to think, well, you know, over there in El Paso, they got nothing but Latinos over there, brown folks, you know, it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to lean this way. That's just not how it works. And I, I, that's why I, I really like this idea of this memoir that you're working on for that reason. You know, I think there's a lot there that's missed and that, you know, a memoir like yours could definitely capture. But yeah, I learned of you because of the, uh, your, your mayoral campaign here in El Paso. And, and also, not only that, but also all the work you've been doing here in, in the community as, a, as an activist and cultural warrior and advocate for people, you know? So, uh, and then when I learned that you were also a children's book author, I was like, wow, of course, this is somebody who cares about the community from, from zero to a hundred, you know, uh, and beyond. So uh, it's, I'm really, really honored to have you on our show on Words on a Wire finally, and definitely gonna have you back when you have your memoir out. And um, just thank you so much for, for spending a little time with us today. Absolutely, thank you for, 
for having me and for opening up this space. Wonderful. Well, good luck with you. Good luck with all of your projects. Thank you, Michael. And that wraps it up for this edition of Words on a Wire. I'd like to thank our special guest today, children's book author and El Paso-based attorney, Veronica Carvajal. Be sure to pick up her book, Toma, Toma, Toma. It's a wonderful children's book. Uh, it's bilingual as well, so you can read it in English and in Spanish. Also want to thank our wonderful producer, Sam Cassiano, and our podcast producer, Claudia Flores. And uh, well, that's it. We hope to see you next week. Same time, same place right here on KTEP 88.5 FM. Thank you.